0: Welcome to Unapologetic Leadership. I am your host, Dr. Marcus Belen. I am a principal, a father of three, a husband, and I am driven by my passion of educating young people. The goal of this podcast is to expose the listeners to practical concepts and ideas through the lens of practitioners who are doing the work every single day for kids. You see, we as educators make decisions for our kids and our staff. And if we make decisions that we believe are in the best interest of our kids and our staff, we should be proud, we should walk tall, and be unapologetic in our leadership. Topics such as diversity, equity, and inclusion, school culture, student voice, and leadership experiences are among some of the content you will hear. This is just honest and truthful conversation. These messages are meant to be impactful for those who need it, as well as those who are put into positions that impact the lives of young people. It's time to strengthen the pipeline for educators. It's time to dismantle systemic issues and bolster school culture where our youth are seen and heard in the learning environment of their schools. So let's begin to explore and journey through unapologetic leadership. What's up, listeners? It's Dr. Beelan and we are back for another episode of Unapologetic Leadership. Uh, the honest podcast that just gives uh, some some great conversation uh, with some great school leaders, but also um, we just keep it straight 100. And, and when we say straight 100, it's just 100 percent of honesty, 100 percent of truth and transparency, uh, because that's that's what's most important for people to hear, especially for those who are listening, who may be aspiring to be school leaders or coming in uh, or who are in the profession or have been in the game for a while like I've like I've stated many times before so it's whatever you're deciding that you would like to get out of this there's a reason that you're listening and I appreciate that so I definitely want to uh, pay homage to all of our listeners out there and just say thank you I appreciate you Um, today man I have a great friend of mine uh, who is uh, a school leader down in O'Fallon Illinois Uh, This, uh, this good friend of mine is an educator, a motivator, he inspires me uh, to do better and be better for kids. He's a father, he's a husband, uh, and also the 2020 Illinois Middle School Principal of the Year. And uh, he is definitely one to, uh, to make a difference for all students. Uh, One of his, one of his biggest mantras is, is becoming the thermostat and being the thermostat uh in your schools and in education and i'll let him tell a little bit about that and i told him i was only going to give him a little bit of an introduction and let him do the talking uh but this brother man i i just man i i have watched him uh just grow and i have followed the work that he has done um because he's been in the game a little bit longer than i have but uh dr tron young is with me today yeah (laughs) I'm at top of the state. He down at the bottom. What's but, up, uh, man? Tron, what's going on, man? How you doing?
1: Hey, you know what? Bless, man. Glad to be on talking with you, man. Hey, I yeah. feel like I'm ready to get sharpened by you too tonight, man.
0: <laughs> 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 no, it's always good to connect, man. We we only had like a little brief conversation before we started recording, and we just hit the record button and said, "Let's go." So. Uh, try, man. Tell, <laughs> tell, tell the listeners just a little bit about you. Tell us about your journey and, and how did you become Dr. Tron Young and, and O'Fallon?
1: Man, so the journey's kind of crazy um, because I you decided young I wanted to be an educator and I wanted to be an educator because of the educators that that I had and was uh, specifically my fifth grade teacher. She was amazing she's still amazing she's my mother my best friend my teacher she's a white lady right a white lady that made a huge impact i uh, wrote my fifth grade yearbook never change you're great the way you are and that just stood out to me right and she made me believe that i was the only kid that was special to her even though they all were special so um fast forward sixth grade year had the worst education year ever had a, t- a teacher that truly impacted my life, life negatively and it was after that, that, you know what, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher like the teacher I had in fifth grade to make a difference in kids' lives. Um, and so uh, throughout middle school, high school, I kind of tutored, went back to my fifth grade teacher's classroom, supported her. And and wanted to go to school as a a middle school eighth grade. There's a program at Eastern University called uh, the Minority Teacher Identification Education Program. It's no longer there. It was under the direction of Dr. Freddie Banks, and uh, they got kids who minorities who they thought uh, wanted to be teachers, and created a summer camp two weeks at Eastern, trying to get them on a college campus, preparing them to go to uh, college, and then also inspiring them to be teachers. So of that, I went through uh, Eastern and wanted to go there my freshman year and didn't know how to apply for financial aid. My mother worked at a factory, which just closed, and I got nothing. Went to a junior college, um, got my teacher aid certificate, went and supported the classroom, volunteered the classroom as an aid. Went to Eastern, got my middle school endorsement, became a middle school math teacher, taught in Centralia, went back to my hometown where I was from uh, to give back, taught um, middle school math for seven years, uh, and then became an elementary principal for one year. And I loved elementary, but I, I, I liked elementary. <laughs> liked it as a leader. Um, but I love my middle school kids because it's an impact that you get to have, right? Like high school, you get to help and, and push them trajectory to their future. But in middle school, they're de- developing their character, their thoughts, their, their actions, who they wanna be, creating that kind of groove. And I helped, I loved to help to mold and inspire kids at that time and that age. And so uh, I taught at a school or I became the principal of the school. I taught at a at over teachers that I had um, as, as a student. Uh, and so that was a crazy experience. <laughs> wow! Did that for five years. And now in my fifth year at um, O'Fallon, Illinois at Joseph Arthur Middle School, where every day we make a difference in the lives of our students. One conversation, one impact, one moment at a time. <laughs>
0: that's me (laughs) (laughs) hey real talk so i i thought that i was giving like a a good i thought i was gonna steal some thunder there's no thunder to be stolen there like that intro that that background that resume is wow that's crazy that is yeah man that it's awesome because
1: short version
0: (laughs) (laughs) but it's awesome because you had the ability to See education from a different lens, man. And uh and you said you got this passion because of a teacher that happened to be your mother.
1: No, no. I said she's like my
0: mother. Oh, she's like your mother. Oh, she's okay. like my mother.
1: Okay. No, yeah. Just... Yeah. No. Like. Um, yeah. No. She. She's. A, she. Uh, man. She's amazing. So Mrs. Judy Church. She hates when I say. Name It hates when I, I give her um, praise and accolades, but she, she's the reason I am the educator I am today for her role that she's played and played and plays in my life. I mean, even to the point where, like, I went off to school and she bought me my computer to go to school for. Her.
0: She helped wow. me
1: go shopping for my first car, right? Like, she's that impactful on top of what she did for me as a kid. As an adult, she's still. Was there? Was on the front row of my of my wedding, next to my mother, right? Like
0: uh, that's awesome. that's
1: that's who she is to me. Yeah, and that's and yeah. you
0: know we t- we talk so much about um, you know educators and uh, you know they always say this the typical story of how did you get an education? Well, I had someone to inspire me, and that just shows the impact and the passion that people have uh, in the role, uh, even more important now because. Just the role of an educator looks completely different than it did two years ago, ten years ago. um, Especially because what we are asking educators to do is be everything and all things to kids, right? And and that's what I always, that's what I aspire, right, to do one day is to say, you know what, man, I just want to follow your journey because I know you're gonna be great. And if that means I I have to sit on the back row at your wedding, I just want to see you grow and I I want to see, I want to see the product and and what we pour. And, you know, when people, I guess, talk about the the finances of education, like I don't get an education for the money, but look at the benefits you are able to reap and people to remember your name. Um, Yes. You know, when you have, have, have made such an impact on, on young people, man, that is powerful. It gives me chills. Um, absolutely yeah so so tell me tell me a little bit about the the culture at joseph Arthur middle school um what, yeah. what's it like
1: man uh it's it's energetic man it's fun um it's structured right like it's structured but um try to be purposeful and intentional every day it's a very diverse very diverse building uh i have about 50 percent black uh, about 40 percent white and then 10 percent of that I got about four percent Hispanic I got some uh, Asia Pacific Islander I have uh, some um, I, I have uh, students that are uh, Pakistani I got some that right like I got a very diverse yeah. uh, group and a very diverse culture we're very we're by uh, Scott Air Force Base um, here in O'Fallon, Illinois, so we get uh, we have a military community, right? So we got military families, uh, which makes makes it uh, a kind of transient, right? Because okay. a man and they they stationed here for a little bit. But uh, my goal is to create an environment where kids want to come running to, right? Where kids want to be want to be part of it, and then uh, not only that, but then also. I would say when I was early, right? So we're talking unapologetic leadership. I will say early in my career, I only focused on making sure my students were excited. But then I had to make sure that my teachers were also excited, right? Mm -hmm. That my Mm -hmm. teachers wanted to be there because they, and they felt that sense. they were like, man, you're chilling these kids. We need some chilling too, right? Like it's tough for us as well. Like, yeah, we can get those kids story, but there's that secondary trauma the teachers go through as well and and so as a leader um growing in that capacity uh what's huge as well right um and, and understanding how to do that because what teachers need is almost the same as what kids need but in a different way right so mm-hmm. we start out every year and we do a positive letter writing campaign and so that's where we are sending letters to all of our kids by the end of the first quarter Every kid gets a positive letter from our school, right? That's intentional. Not just like, hey, I'm glad that, uh, hey, I'm glad that uh, Kenny's in my class today. No, no, no. Hey, Kenny, thanks for being in my class today. Today, when we talked about ratios, you really participated and you added value to our classroom, right? So doing that. But my teachers weren't getting fed. So I then start doing those things for my teachers, sending notes home to the teachers. Like, hey, thank you today for what you did when I came to your class. Like a lot of times uh, we kind of just, we send them an email or we, uh, we do that. And so I decided that I needed to make sure that my culture was one that I model what my teachers need as well. So I send notes home to my teachers as well, uh, whether they postcards, whether they're thank you notes, uh, even to the point where, uh, as we were going through, if I see something awesome that they're having, I'll take a picture in the classroom and I'll send that picture home in a note for them to have on their refrigerator art, right? Like I want them to have refrigerator art. Uh, I put them on Facebook. I put it on Instagram. But that's what it is, right? So the culture is where we are supporting kids that we're loving kids. Um, but then, as we are doing that, we want to transfer those uh, inspirational moments into educational results, man. That that's that's what we do.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you. You could like write a book with all of the crazy quotes that you have and just the, the mantras <laughs> right of your school. That that alone, man, it just it, it gets me fired up to just to to hear this. And you know what's crazy? Like, especially like I said, in this time, right, like we in a pandemic and um uh uh-huh. and and just going through that and knowing that students need to be fed and teachers need to be fed and all of that, like that's just Uh, super crazy important uh, to make sure that we're feeding all pieces of that community. Uh, Hey, just real quick note. I, on my end, I know that we are hearing a little bit of static just between either myself or, or, or trying for those listeners who are out there, but it's okay because we just keeping it honest and real. Uh, We are on zoom, which is how much of this is done, but I just want to put that out there. So uh, thank you for the listeners to, you know, fighting through whatever happens, but that's not the important piece. The important piece is the conversation. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but man i you know just following some of the work that you have done um you know at tron to teach for you uh is his twitter handle and i know we'll talk about that at the end but man if you just hop on tron's uh, social media um and just seeing some of the stuff that he's posting i mean uh phone call jams uh you know and 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 good news call of the day and just some of the stuff that's uh, that's out there man it just shows that your focus on culture is is most important so speaking speaking of that right like think about the culture that you created under your leadership right what are you most mm-hmm. proud of and what do you what do, what do you want to do better like what what can make uh john uh, middle school better so
1: um man what i'm most proud of is that uh, today, right? So the, the culture and environment is established where um, I had two young ladies that were just dealing with something. Um, not, not drama for them because normally it's girl drama, but they personally was dealing with something. And they stopped me after lunch and was like, hey, Dr. Young, can I come down to your office and talk to you because I'm dealing with uh, an issue and I, I know you care and I know you will talk to me and help me deal with it. And I'm like, Absolutely. Come on down. Right. Like, and so they come in and we have a heart to heart conversation, right? Like I get to help them, um, be able to focus in class. Right. So if they're dealing with this, they can't go in class and be their best, but they knew that I care. They knew that, um, there was somebody that they could come to and it was their principal. There's not schools and environments that is like that. Right. Like when I grew up, I wasn't like a hey, principal. I know you care about me personally, so we you come talk to me. No, but the environment and the culture <laughs> has been set where, you know what? They know I have high expectations of them behaviorally, yeah. academically, but they also know that I care about who they are and what they're going through and they and they want to come talk, right? And normally it used to just be my boys. Now my girls are also wanting to come and have conversations. So what I'm most proud of is creating that. Um, My goal is, is that, creating it where it's not just me right so that uh-huh. it's not just me who's creating those purposeful meaningful intentional relationships conversations but giving my teachers with the tools to be able to do that too right like to understand that that time invested is opportunity that's gained later um for, for that student that learning and so um that's my goal is creating and we're there right like we're getting there but creating those systems and those supports that also allow teachers to 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 be able to have those conversations, to do those conversations um, with students, and 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 as a whole, right? And so, uh, because I think that's when students then realize that the teacher is not just worrying about the ABCs and one two threes, but they're worrying about me.
0: Yeah. Right. So 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 let me ask you this, man, because this this is the challenging part, right? Like, I'm I'm. I'm sure you have teachers that don't look like your student population just in terms of, um, you know, white teacher in front of black kids. You're 50 percent black. You know, you 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 have kids who, uh, especially in a military community, not only do they um, uh, are they kind of in and out just depending on where they are with or where their parents are with the military and they could have been born in a different country and you know in different traditions and you're bringing all of that together how do um, how do teachers connect and relate to students especially those that don't look like them how is that infused in the culture um, so that so that teachers can support young people
1: absolutely man yeah so my building um, my district right so it's, it's all white right I am the only certified um, staff member professionally licensed staff member within the district right and and was the only that was hired so before me there was none right wow Um, and so um, understanding the weight and gravity that carries as well right so that's not uh, that, that there, there's weight that comes with that uh, mm-hmm. and purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, so the first thing that we had to do and that I had to do is have hard, honest conversations with my staff, right? So mm-hmm. we had to have those hard honest conversations of who we are, right? Who our experiences are and what we have and understanding their experiences are valid, but also that the student population that they have have different experiences, have different lived experiences that they bring into the classroom. And for them to deny um, that understanding um, means they don't see their kids, right? So the first thing is, is trying to create student voice. So I had to create an opportunity where teachers get to hear kids. And that's why I started my Friday Five. I do a Friday Five where I interview kids and we do five minutes and I needed their voice to be heard. And I need to show teachers how to let their voice be heard right? And so we get their voice heard and and then teaching uh, teachers skills to do that. The other thing is during our advisory period, I have attention on purposeful conversations pieces. So I have everyone uh, create an individualized education plan. So not an IEP, but an IAP. So everyone has an individualized IAP, right? So they create a type of student they want to be, type of grades they want to have, type of friend they want to be, type of friends they want to have. And then after they set those, uh, four things. Then we talk about setting smart goals to reach those. And I set uh, teachers the first quarter during advisory time, they have to have individual conversations with each of their kids about their goals and about their times, right? So it then getting them to have those personal conversations to understand their kids and their students. And I think that understanding those conversations allow for the students and the teachers to see each other and to understand that. And then the last thing is, is getting our, our, our district and, our, and Mike's building to be culturally relevant and proficient, right? Mm-hmm. And understanding that that is a journey, right? Yes. So understanding that like, that, that when we talk about that, people wanna read the book, get the ABCs and the Xs and the boxes to check, and then think we're good. But understanding that that is not that, like culturally relevant and proficiency is a continual profit process and culture is everything right it's not a black or white thing it is a culture right so the culture of your school is different than the culture of my school and your kids culture is different right but then my ethnic culture brings something different to the to the plate too and appreciating Mm -hmm. and valuing that culture as much as we do the mainstream culture uh, is important and so it's all those pieces so it's a journey right so all of that is a journey um that, that takes work, that takes time, that takes understanding, and that takes that takes leadership and vision to get there, I think.
0: Yeah, that's you know so I, I think the <laughs> uh, the critical piece of that is understanding it is a journey, you know, and some people may use the the, the, um, the parallel of it's kind of like it's a marathon versus a race or a sprint or what have you. Um, and and I think all of that rings true. Um, that you, you got to start somewhere and you got to be willing to hop on that road. And even if it's the wrong road at the time, like you'll, you'll start to learn that and then figure out which direction you need to go uh, to get to the right one. Um, because what we need to do for kids is, is important and it's needed now. Uh, it was needed yes. years ago. Um, and so we can't wait for them, and we we have to be able to inspire. We have to be able to figure out ways to connect with them because, yeah, we can't change the way, uh, the way we look the, or who we are as a person and the traditions and the values that we have as educators, but when uh, we're in front of 25 to 30 kids in a classroom that have been selected to be in our class for that year, that's what we're with. It's almost like you can't choose your family you're right I can't choose my family but those kids (laughs) they don't have the ability to choose their classrooms we place them in those (laughs) classrooms so they're stuck as well you know what I mean they don't have the ability to hey I want a teacher that looks like me well I'm sorry we don't have any of those here well I guess I'll go (laughs) to the school down the street like that just doesn't happen you know what I mean like this is Uh, your opportunity this is your school so we got to figure out how to make it work so I got a couple of things that um Um, that I want to uh, just kind of touch on. And I think one of the most important pieces of this uh, or key pieces of this that I think we both have in common is the fact that both of us are Black educators, uh, young Black educators in schools that are predominantly white or all white, me, because I have a larger population. I have a little bit more diversity in my population than where you are just in Illinois is a little bit different than, (laughs) a lot different (laughs) than where I am. But what what's the journey like how do you how do you stand in front of a staff that you're the you're the only one like you're bringing lived experiences and they may not know how to accept those as 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 teachers but they had to accept tron young as their leader they didn't have to but ultimately i mean you're there this is your fifth year so you must be doing something right how did you get them to connect with you to understand your leadership and how did you share those lived experiences um, to help motivate your uh, your 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 teaching staff um, to think differently? Absolutely, right, that's loaded. So There's a whole lot there. <laughs>
1: that there is. That is there. That 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 is. I, I'm gonna say right. The very first thing is like can't be afraid of hard conversations, hard and difficult conversations because. They, they, when you have those hard conversations, people have two two things they can do. They can either make excuses and stay the same, yep, or they can adjust and become better.
0: Yep. Right? Wow! Wow! So yeah,
1: so like that. There's there's no in between in there, right? I think in a hard conversation like that. That's the that's the Dr. Trani and Young like statement, right? And so. Um, I shared my story. So I shared my experiences as a Black student in an all-white community, right, a predominantly white community, in a school where um, I had only two educators that ever looked like me and only one male, right, so one Black male ever in high school, and I didn't even get to have him uh, as a teacher. Majority of my classes were I was the one and only, if not maybe one of two, right, right, um, that that look like me in my class, right? And so sharing my experience of the powerful impact of my fifth grade teacher, who was a white female teacher, right? And what she did and how she believed in me, then mm-hmm. the experience of a not effective teacher just in general, right? So then I, I, I also talked about in high school where um, I became a middle school math teacher uh, in, when I was teaching was the 2020, uh, 2010 Illinois Bob Hazeman Teacher of the Year for the IEA, right? Teaching mm-hmm. math. So I said I did that, but in high school, I wanted to take a high level Algebra two class. And I had a guidance counselor tell me that people who look like me don't normally do well on high level math classes and would not let me take that class.
0: Oh my goodness, if y'all can see my face right now. Oh, geez. Go ahead. Go ahead. And, go ahead. Like, I was dumbfounded, right? Like, I was yeah. like, wait, wait, what do you mean people like me? I was like, what? Short
1: people, fat people? Like, wait, what are you talking about? People that, <laughs> right? Now yeah, he was like, well, you know, our black students don't normally do well in uh, high level math classes. So he was like, we're just going to put you in like the regular, average two. Class. And I was ticked. Like, went home to my mom and my mom at the time was like, you know, like there's no, we can do if That's what the guidance counselor said. And I'm like, what? so I took that regular math class and exceeded. Right. So I was like intentional, right? I was like, man, in it with the highest grade, like this, that, and the other went back and was like, look what I did. I refused to take anything but high level trigonometry. Right. So give me high level trig pre-calc my senior year. Right. And he wouldn't do it. So I had to go to another counselor, but I said, what happened and i asked my staff i said what what happens to the kids who don't have that self-advocacy yeah what happened to our students who don't have someone that's going to like they don't have the courage to say and they were in second grade and that teacher said you can't read well because of what you look like or they're in middle school and they're saying you can't do this because of right what happens and how Mm. are you seeing your students like what limitations are you putting on students because you believe who they are, or what they look like, or where they come from? And so we and had that conversation. Wow. So we did, right? And so we we are we are there to the point that now our conversation this year, I had a conversation with my staff that says uh, at the beginning of the year, you know, I had a black light party, right? So I had black lights for our very first staff meeting, right? I, for my very first meeting of the year. I don't sit down. We don't go over rules. I can send an email. I can send them a loom video that they can read and hear beforehand. When you come to me, we're we going to grow, right? So if we mm-hmm. do a meeting, we're going to grow together. So uh, long story short, I had Black Lights, and it was like Black Light bingo, but I, I had like different words that, the word that explains our school, right? That you believe explain our school. And then I had them write down, what does it mean to thrive at Joseph Arthur Middle School? And I had them all write it down. Like, what does it mean for them to, for it to thrive at Joseph Arthur Middle School? And they all got to tell me, what does it mean for students to thrive at our school, right? Mm-hmm. And so then at our professional goal meetings this year, I had them to talk to me, what does it mean for students to thrive in their class? What do they do that keeps them from thriving? And what do they do that helps them thrive? And so that was intentional to have them thinking about what are the things that we do in our school that allows all of our kids, not just some of our kids, to thrive? And I took that conversation from my teachers and I met with every, the very first day of school, I met with every single class and I had for them to tell, I had a conversation with them that I want to move from them to just getting through school. I, I don't want them to just survive my school year. I want them to thrive during the school year. So I had them all, we had big post notes and every big post I had them write down, what does it mean for our students to thrive at our school? So I know what my teachers think, I know what my kids think and I have a parent meeting coming up and it's going to meet with my parents and have them tell me, what does it mean to them to have their students thrive at our school and then take to my leadership team? And we have what the teachers think, what the kids think, what the parents think, and see where we are with helping kids to thrive because thriving means that they are being able to be their best, right? Yeah. Like that means that they are able to see their potential and they're shooting for it and they're trying to reach it, right? That doesn't mean they want to. And when I had students write it, none of them said. I want to get all A's and B's. They said, mm-hmm. I want to do the best I can in this class. I want to be a great person. I want to be like thriving, right? So that tells me that we have set a good culture because they're not just worrying about getting good grades in math and doing all mm-hmm. Yes, they want to be better, but it was, I was super impressed and it opened my teacher's eyes to see our kids in a different way when they were hearing these conversations. So I took those post-it notes and they're all over my school. That I have a posted over my school so the kids can see it. Our teachers can see it, and it inspires us. So when you talk about them reaching them, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get our kids' voice to be heard, right? Like uh-huh. another kid said, I want teachers that look like me. A student wrote that down. I want to have a building where I have teachers that look like me, right? It was a Hispanic yeah. student. And I'm like, absolutely right, because we're focused on this lens. But I, I yes, you are, you are absolutely correct. So what do we need to do to get there, and how do we get there? As long as we're striving to meet those needs, we're 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 on the right track. So, wow. that, that, that's 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 where we are, man.
0: I asked a loaded question, and you fire back like with an army, like do 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 take this, like and we got <laughs> man. <laughs> oh goodness, man, and 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 you talking about some of those experiences, man. I I felt like I fell short, and I, I think I told this story one time, man. Like it was, I got to college uh and was and my roommate had asked me about ap and honors classes because i was wondering why he was graduating early and he was like yeah i took some ap classes. i was like what are those <laughs> like i had to ask what what ap and honors classes were because i i was not told of this uh in high school um, and i don't know and it was I, and some of that i i i blame on some of it I blame on myself because I feel like it's self-advocacy. I should have just paid attention during the registration process. That's part of it. So I take ownership for that. <laughs> uh, but it was just such a daunting process when you see all of these classes. you like, ooh, I want to sign up for this or I want to sign up for this. It wasn't the guidance of, hey, these are the classes that are going to set you up for this. Not I'm thinking of it for the now. You know what I mean? So, like, so, so when you talk about somebody telling you, you know, Typically, students that look like you don't make it through these classes like that already is cast of prejudgment of what you are unable to do Mm -hmm. without them knowing deep down inside. Like, man, this kid really can't do it. Or we get to the point where, and let's take race out of it. Let's just say that this has been a limiting factor. Hey, I pulled out your transcripts or your report cards and looked at your grades, and like (laughs) they kind of mediocre. Or Look at all these A's and B's you got. Wow, you're doing really well. How about you challenge yourself and let's put you in this in this class. Your parents don't understand what AP and honors courses are. So, you know what? I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to call them as opposed to just sending them a letter saying, hey, you're good for AP courses like sign up for them if you want. You know, like, let me help you understand your potential, because somebody may look at an AP course and say, that's a daunting task. I want them advanced placement. Right. Right. A parent who has no maybe no educational background, but their their child may be ready for it. If a parent's like, I don't know what that is, I'm not going to put you in something and I don't know what it means. That's fine. Well, we need to maybe educate the parent on what it means and what it can mean in the long term of setting them up for great success of going into uh, into college with a higher level of understanding or with a greater opportunity at the doorstep than if they just took regular classes and got straight A's right so not only does it take educating the students and become an advocate and understand hey here's my education here's the classes that I'm eligible to sign up for but what if I challenge myself to do more um, mm-hmm. and I, if I could go back I would love to relive that experience of knowing what I know now I mean, I do a whole bunch of stuff different, but knowing what I know now as a high school (laughs) student, like what classes would I have taken? What trajectory could I put myself on if I was challenged to a different degree? Um, uh, You you talk about, you know, you talk about um, um, just the staff that you put in front of, in front of your students. And, um, you know, can you talk about, you know, a situation where. Uh, staff had challenges connecting with young people um, and knowing that they had the best intention. It was just a struggle of getting there. Like how, how did, how did you, or how would you coach a teacher um, to be able to connect with kids that don't look like them, even though they really want to, and their intention is there, they just don't know how or what that step is to take to get that connection going. How do you set that up?
1: Yeah. So I feel like, man, that that's easier than situations where you have staff that need to, but don't want to or are not willing to. Right. Yeah, so that's a, that, that's, a um, nother, that's a whole nother, that's a whole another journey. But people mm-hmm. that, that want to, that need to, um, I think first, like they, I think a knowledge base is first, right? So you have to get them a knowledge base and a comfortability uh, space to have that kind of conversation, right? So um, first I would, I would have meaningful, purposeful conversations with them and let them ask me questions, right? Like it has to be creating an environment where um, if, if I am a, a leader that does not look like my teacher, making sure that I've created an environment that they're comfortable coming asking me questions right yeah. because if I haven't made it okay to come and talk to me about things how will they be okay with going to talk to their students right wow. so yeah. I think that's the first first thing and a lot of times we 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 kind of put that to the side but like no they like come on come in and talk right like come and ask me and be okay with some constructive hard criticism right like okay so it's not okay to ask that question right like no, don't mm-hmm. come touch my hair, right? Like I don't want you touching my hair. Uh, don't, 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 don't go touch a black girl' hair. Like don't, don't do that, right? Like we can yeah. have that. Why did she get mad? Well, this is why, right? Like having having those conversations. But then the next thing I do is I always offer to role play a conversation with the teacher.
0: Mm, that's because, an interesting approach.
1: Because I I want them to have it. But a lot of times, if they've never experienced it or don't know, how are they going to have that kind of conversation? Because then they're looking at, hmm. at at a ball game, right? That they don't know the rules, they don't know how to start, they don't know which base to run to, right? Well, we got to practice this thing, right? Hmm. So yeah. I literally, especially, and I do it a lot with parent phone calls. I do a lot with parent phone calls. If they're calling a the parent that they like, oh, she's going to be mad or she's going to cuss me out or she's going to just, well, let's role play this, right? And I mm-hmm. do it with students, right? Like, especially a restorative conversation where, you know what? There's some misunderstanding. There's some miscommunication. And the students took this very personally um, based off of the differences between the teacher and the student. Let's role play. Like, how will you talk to this student about this kind of conversation, right? What would be your intention you responded um because you have that conversation and not fearful of the conversation
0: yeah so that wow yo that's <laughs> i pulled out a piece of paper man i'm sitting here i'm like yo that that kind of is mind-blowing to a sense because the role play aspect could be used in so many different ways to be able to understand people and give them the ability to know where they are where you need to start with them and gives them an opportunity yep. in a safe space to completely mess up i'm talking uh-huh. about smooth falling yep. your face right <laughs> get it all dirty right just you on the ground like you got to pick up your whole face teeth and all because you fell so hard and then not not have fear that when you lead that conversation, you could have completely damaged a relationship, a child, a parent or whatever. Mm-hmm. You were able to do that in the office, yep. like kind of like the pregame before the real game. So role-playing conversation, man, yep. whoa, yo, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. So I think about it from the standpoint of what if we took that concept of role-play of conversations to be able to give people a practice field of just saying, you know what, I'm going to do this in an interview when I'm hiring a teacher. Right. Uh-huh. Hey, instead uh-huh. of it's woo, instead of you on to something, man, this is why this is why I love doing these things, man, because I'm I, I've learned a little bit, even in just this this short time that we've been on, man. But if you are able to in a, a, a interview, right, you sitting across the table, interviewer comes in sit down now, that could be a little bit intimidating, like, hey, I'm going to play the role of the parent. He's going to play the role of a student and we're just going to take you through this. It helps them process. Yes. On the spot but it also will help me understand as the person hiring this teacher where I need to provide most supports for you because mm-hmm. they could have a difficult conversation day one of school back to school night hits yeah. parent comes in and is like yo we've been in school for two weeks I am upset with how you are doing this the syllabus is absolutely crazy as crap how can you do this to my kid how is a teacher supposed to respond? And it's like, Oh, well, I'm a first year teacher. Right? Like if,
1: right.
0: if, if you know what some of your, if you can look at the demographics of your parents and you can say, all right, I know that they're going to go in. We done set up our class rosters. This parent, Ooh, they gonna, they, they're going to be a tough one because we've dealt with them before. And I don't want to say it in a negative, but I just know that there are some strong advocates when it comes to parent uh, advocacy for absolutely. their kids. Now, I'm going to call it that. I'm going to leave it that. Everybody knows that's that one parent that's going to come in and they know <laughs> the law. They know what they want to say. They know how they <laughs> going to advocate. And I don't want to stick yes, a first year teacher in front of that. But I, I also can't plan around that. But I want to prepare them. So let me let me give them a scenario. Let's role play this. And how will you handle this? Um, I'm going to go super tangent on this one, man. I was working at a steakhouse uh, in Peoria when I was in college. Uh, and at the steakhouse, we had to do wine presentations and the easiest way for me to learn was not to sit and look at the wine list and say, okay, I know all the names of them. I don't know what they taste like. Cause I haven't tasted them. I wasn't a wine drinker back then, but now a whole different story anyway. But the <laughs> owner of the restaurant <laughs> set up this whole deal where I had to actually go through and do a wine presentation for everybody sitting at the table. And I kept going through this scenario. And these were people who knew that I was going to mess up but I at least knew my stuff when I went to the table to go present to somebody Uh who was a high client. That's in a restaurant setting in a school setting. I have gone through enough scenarios where I have messed up. I've learned from them. So then when I go to the big game where I'm actually sitting across from a parent who really knows that maybe brought in a lawyer or whatever, like I know how to be able to respond and not look fearful When it comes to having those tough conversations, because that's the hardest part of the job, man, is is being able to have critical conversations, crucial conversations where you need to learn um, as the teacher or as the educator having that tough conversation. But even for me as as a uh, as a school leader, like I want to know where my staff sits on this. Are you comfortable doing this? Because I'm assuming that you are. But my assumption Mm -hmm. could be totally wrong. And I'm failing you as a leader because I'm not setting you up for the success when you do get in those conversations.
1: Yes, sir. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. I had to talk that one through.
0: I had to talk that one through for some of the listeners and some of the school leaders who listen to this. There are a lot of people who listen to this to try to get nuggets of, like, what they can do to to be better. This idea is not the idea of Marcus Beeland. This is the idea of Dr. Tron Young or something that he at (laughs) least does in his his building. Uh, Man, wow. Um, Wow, we have... we. We've gone into a whole lot, um, you know, and, and with, with the pandemic, man, that has been at the top of all of our plates, how do you continue to do this? How do you, how do you continue to build the morale of your staff to, to continue to move forward in this culture um, with the looming pandemic that has been over us for now, over a year and a half? How do you continue to do it? Ooh,
1: man that that's the hardest that that's the hardest thing, man, because the pandemic has taken some of what I call those fringe benefits out of out of it, right? Like some of those connections that you're not able to do, some of um the joy of it, um, that you have to worry about things that does not, uh, that, that is not directly about educating the kid, um, that just adds more to a plate that adds more to a worry. So, uh, part of that that I try to do is to try to make sure as much as possible those extra things that has been brought on by the pandemic is not things that has to be on added to the teacher's plate, right? So, yeah. trying to make sure that. Um, that the, their plate's not already overflowing, uh, even though we had to change a policy right at the beginning of the year, or we had to readjust in and, and rescript. So part of that is just making sure I'm I'm communicating right, like mm-hmm. over communicating sometimes um, to my staff, so they're informed, they're able to prepare, uh, you know, and 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 really sitting down and checking in how they are personally doing right like mm-hmm. not like yeah how's your year but how are you personally right because we all they, they all have things going on right they have parents that are sick they have family members that are battling they have um kids who are off to school that they're worried right so they have outside life issues as well um that they're worried about or you know can't go see a relative because they're not teaching and don't want to take you know what I mean something right like so the things that they worry about so trying to make sure that um, we are we worried about their mental health as well uh, mm-hmm. and be mindful and, and trying to get them some mindfulness um, activities and um, moments there. But I tell you, like, that's the hardest. That's the hardest, right? Because there was, there was a time, like, let's, let let me be 100%. There was a time last year that I was like, man, I can't find my joy in this situation, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I it, It's hard for me to get that pep in my step as I walked yeah. down the hallway, like, all right, yeah, right? Like it just weighed, it just weighed heavy. Uh, and so, um, so getting there. And, and so I was very honest with with my staff about that. Like, guys, like I was at the point where, um, where last year I, I wasn't happy. And they were like, wait, what? Like I so, said, yeah, sometimes I had to fake it till I made it, right? Mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. When I was coaching, I used to say, I used to clap myself happy, right? When something didn't go, like I like, like, instead of yelling at the ref, I would clap it out and clap myself happy. I was like, sometimes <laughs> I had to clap myself happy in the of the day, right? Like, yeah. And, and it's okay. Like, telling them, it's okay that you are not okay, and we're going to move forward. We will get through this.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Man, it's, it's um, It's humbling to know that you know a school leaders, like we we all are going through uh some challenges <laughs> like like and even in doing this recording like I've, I've i've probably had maybe two of the top 10 worst days uh these past mm. couple of days man it's just it's, it's been rough man and it's you know it's not one of like ah man i feel sorry for you all that you have to go through this like no i signed up for this i'm excited because Absolutely. i still i still get to go to work tomorrow and yeah. that's not me That's not me being like, oh yeah, you being fake. Like, no, I'm like super invigorated and excited because man, our kids are coming to school. And when you, Mm -hmm. you truly know your passion when even on your worst days, you still ready to come back for the next day. Um, Right. And, you know, I always tell like, you could have, everybody who's sitting in a classroom right now after this year of being in the pandemic and being in remote hybrid, changing different schedules. Like you chose to come back for a reason. Right. Mm-hmm. You chose to come back. And the fact that you are back means that you are there for a reason and a purpose, and you have purpose. Um, and as school leaders is most important because while teachers are expected to be everything and all things to kids, as school leaders, we're expected to be everything for parents, expected to be everything for kids, expected to be everything for teachers, expected to be everything for our that's own safe. families, expected to be everything for us. <sighs> Yo, that's a lot, you know what I mean? And 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 the fact that we're still on the other or starting to move to the other side of this thing, it's like we are all built for the positions in which we are in right now, because yes. we're coming back to do it. We're coming back to want to be better, do better, and be better. Um, and that's not putting one position over the other, not at all. You know, for me uh, and trying, I know, I I know for you because you are just seeing you and the heart that you have for kids and the heart that you just have for people and humans and seeing them as you know for who they are is 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 inspiring um but I just know uh the challenges that come along with it you know and so I man hats off to you huge props to you and the work that you're doing um uh Thanks, man. you know, Joseph Arthur Middle School down in O'Fallon man uh,
1: yes, sir. uh that speaks to
0: <laughs> That speaks to that 2020 Illinois Principal of the Year uh, award. And, and you you deserve it. And so many others uh, deserve it as well, man. Because uh, just like I said, continuing to do this work day in and day out is challenging. Uh, but when we are rooted in our purpose and our why and knowing that we have the ability to change the status quo of education to completely rock society and help support our young people, uh, man, that's one of the most rewarding jobs ever, man. So I, hats off to you. And I appreciate you. Uh, for what you have done and knowing that you have purpose in this work and you matter for sure Um, hey
1: dr bieland thank you thank you i appreciate being alongside this journey uh with you man i really do
0: yeah yeah and and just some of the stories that you shared today man like this is uh i've i was telling trying man right before we hopped on this thing i said typically how i do this is i literally hit the record button we go and we end when we end and I put an intro and outro to it. And then we out. <laughs> That's literally how this works, man. Because I, <laughs> I, I feel that it's, if I had the, this is value, right? And even though the days are tough, like I come home, like some of this is my outlet to be able to talk and connect with other leaders, because I know that yep. we're all going through the challenges together. And I don't want to dwell on that piece, but like that, that is a little piece of the outlet and gets me fired up for the next day. Cause I know that there's some great things that are going on. Um, uh, and we had the ability to share ideas. Um, and if we all as school leaders are caught up in this idea where my head is down and I feel like I'm the only one going through it, you're not. Um, but then to be able to like connect link in, and listen to what other things are going on, it's still, we got to keep that pipeline and being able to support each other, uh, strong, uh, and stronger than ever right now, uh, because we don't have the ability to just leave and go to PD and be able to focus on the things <laughs> that we want to because, we contract chasing, we quarantining, and we testing, we seal testing by next test, you name it. Like we we're doing everything and all things uh, to be able to make our school work. So right, man, I'm gonna get off this soapbox here, man. I, I just wanted to say uh, thank you and, and really give you a shout out. I'm glad that tonight we could have uh, connected. But uh, one last question, man, you, you got um, you got 30 seconds to a minute to just Tell whether they be a first-year administrator, whether they be somebody who's been in, in administration for a while. Like you, have the floor to just leave some words of wisdom from Dr. Tryon. What would you? What would you say? What would you say to a room of a thousand educators right now? School leaders, you name it.
1: I, I would say right now is the most critical time for you to stop and reflect. Like if you are being the thermostat or the thermometer, I really would. Because it is important right now to see if you're just reflecting what is happening and you're just going through the day to day, or if you are intentionally and purposefully setting your school culture or your classroom that allows your students to still reach those goals. Because we see, and we're weighed down by everything, but these are these kids' features Mm -hmm. that we are working on, that we're helping to prepare. So they're going through the now, but we have to also prepare them for their then. And their then does not look like our then. So I I would just encourage them to be the thermostat that does not look at what they're going through, what the reality of all the testing they got to do and the contact tracing we got to call and the phone calls and, and, and everything else that's going on. But remember the vision, of what they want their kids to be. Remember the opportunity of setting that environment to allowing kids to thrive. Um, making sure that they're setting a culture that that really transforms what's going on, setting the expectations that not only gets kids through their now, but prepares them for their then, and their then is their tomorrow to make it brighter than their today.
0: Man, and if we were probably in person uh, and holding a mic, you could drop it right then and there, okay? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, Yo, man, I'm just saying, like I'm truly impassioned about that, man. Like it's, it's important. I truly yeah. believe it is.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, and just knowing, um, knowing, knowing your ability and knowing your place, knowing your ability and what you are able, able and capable of doing, uh, mm-hmm. and the impact that that serves and you use a word that i use very 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 often in a lot of things that i do and that's the word intentional and for me it's in yours is intentional and and purposeful and mine is intentional and specific uh and, huh, and being yes. able to focus so while while purposeful and specific uh it, the intentional part is is key because you can make the choice uh-huh. to do the things that you want to do and Talk to the people that you want to talk to, and inspire the kids that you want to inspire, and so forth yes. and so on. But just being intentional about the work of what we do as educators is is key, man. Um, uh, if if those who are listening wanted to connect with you, Tron, I know I said your Twitter handle earlier, but how? What are ways that they can connect with you and and learn about what's happening at, at JA Middle School in O'Fallon, or or just yeah, in the work that you're yeah. doing?
1: Ah, so we call it jams, man. So Joseph at the middle school at jams we get down. So uh, I'm on Twitter, uh trying to teach for you. Same um uh handle on Instagram, trying to teach for you. Uh also on Spotify. I did uh I got a, this is small, right? It's not a big podcast, but uh be the thermostat, not the thermometer podcast out there I did it this year and it's my Friday 5 which is my student voice and I drop a little bow tie Tuesday nuggets little 2 to 3 minute nuggets out there for for people as well so just trying to inspire yeah. and get my students voice out there
0: Yeah that's what's up man hey hey congratulations on starting the podcast I this was my project <laughs> back in January too man it was got to get the voice out there but uh, uh, definitely follow. Um, you know, if you are having some challenges connecting with trying, man, let me know so I can get you all connected. Sometimes I just i want to be the initiator of the handshake between two people. Uh, and Absolutely. if I can do that to just connect people, that's 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 what I'm gonna do, man. Well, trying, hey, I'm not gonna hold you up. I appreciate you uh connecting with me tonight and as well as, as sharing just so, uh, some powerful messages with our listeners Um, and and thank you for being a a guest on the show, man.
1: Hey, thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, listeners, there you have it. You know, this is unapologetic leadership, just truth, honesty, uh, and just the work of, of school leaders who are out there doing some amazing things. And um, just so you know, like I've always stated before. For those who are aspiring leaders who have been in in education or been in school leadership for a while, man, this is this is all for you. And I'm hoping that you can grab uh, some information from this Um, and just know that, you know, like I said, the honesty is there. The truth is there and the transparency is there because this work is 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 just that. Uh, So I appreciate and I'm humbled uh, the fact that you all are listening to this and uh, hope to connect soon and uh, that you tune in for another episode. So we'll check you later. Take care. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of Unapologetic Leadership. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus J. or you can visit me on my website, drmarcusbeeland.com. I would love to connect with you. Remember, take care of yourself. Be well, stay safe, and be unapologetically you.